0: Well, the Big East looks like they might have two teams with realistic hopes for a national title after the UConn Huskies flat out dominated in the Phil Knight Invitational. The big question on everybody's mind is, is this team for real? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? Welcome to the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Andy Patton. Today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between Creighton and Texas, Thursday on ESPN, right here on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. All right, folks, Matt St. Jean of Road to the Garden is here. And Matt, Going into the season there was two teams getting a ton of tension attention, excuse me, in the Big East, that is of course Creighton and Villanova. Creighton remains outstanding, top 10 program. We're going to talk a lot more about Villanova a little later in the podcast in the season that they have had, which is not quite what people would have expected, uh, but a new team has emerged as a not, well, not only a Big East title contender, but they look like a legitimate national champion caliber program. That is the Yukon Huskies. Before we get into it, Matt, just your initial thoughts on what this team just accomplished in Portland, Oregon, with three straight dominant wins over Oregon, Alabama, and Iowa State. None of them were close. Is this team for real?
1: I think the biggest takeaway you you find about this team is just it's deep with scorers. Yeah. That's not something that UConn basketball has had recently. If you Look at the big picture of UConn and what Dan Hurley's had there and Mm -hmm. their struggles the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. It's been a very good team that if one of one of the top scorers has an off night.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, that's it. And that happened in the NCAA tournament and back to back years and they're done. Mm-hmm. And this team does not seem to have that weakness. Yeah. Adama Sunogo had less than 10 points in that win against Iowa State. Mm-hmm. And they still cruised to a pretty yeah. easy victory there. The other takeaway is I mean, you want to win games in, in March and into April, you mm-hmm. got to win a lot of games in a short amount of time. Yeah. This team just did that. Mm-hmm. It's tough, it's deep, and it can do everything. Yeah. This is a national title contender.
0: Absolutely. There's there's one team, and we're talking pre-December. It's always always an important caveat to, to put out there, especially when citing Ken Palm yeah. numbers. But pre-December, there is one team in the country that is top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. Normally, I'd make people guess fairly obvious that we're talking about UConn here in this situation. They're the only team in the top 10 in both. There are teams that are very close, uh, but that still, to me, is a very strong testament to a, a program that hasn't always had that that level of depth, that level of certainly of offensive efficiency. I mean, we're talking about a team that manhandled Iowa State on the glass. I mean, absolutely manhandled them. They had 21 offensive rebounds in that game. Iowa State had 19 boards. Total. Total. That is the kind of when you do that. I mean, yeah, Iowa State is not North Carolina. They're not Alabama. You know, some of the other programs that they're they, they, they be North Carolina. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like they 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 maybe Iowa state isn't the team that you thought UConn was going to beat for the national championship, but that's not their fault. They beat all the teams they played. They've played five kind of by games and you could make an argument that Oregon, Alabama, Iowa State is not like the murderer's row that you would have expected it to be. But you know what? It's not that bad of a stretch of games either. Alabama, of course, turned around and beat North Carolina uh, in that four-overtime game that I sat at for the entirety of and had an absolute blast because it was a, an incredible game. Uh, Oregon, obviously, is banged up a little bit and, and doesn't look like a program that necessarily deserves to be ranked in the top 25 to start the year. But there's still a solid program with – you know, high-end NBA caliber talent on the team, and I think again, and I know Ken Palm uses this a lot, and I think it's an important detail when looking at UConn. Is like they blew these teams out; like they beat these teams badly. They didn't; they haven't trailed in the second half this entire season. They haven't been trailing for one single second in the second half of any single game this year. That is an incredible testament to what Dan Hurley's program is doing. You got six guys averaging nine plus points per game. You got eight guys averaging seven or more points per game technically 6.8 or more points per game regardless that is an incredible amount of depth uh, when you can win a game against a good caliber ncaa opponent you know in in iowa state a team that you'd face in the ncaa tournament when you can do that without adama Sinogo hitting double figures I, that's that's scary tristan newton is an absolute star like this yeah. team this team got a lot of depth they got a lot of talent and to me like if you're putting together a list of five teams that could win the NCAA tournament 10 teams may, I mean, even five, I think you got to put them in there with the amount of depth they have the, the offense and defense. They just look phenomenal so far.
1: Yeah. I, I'm going to give, I'm going to throw two scores at yep. you here from Yukon games this mm-hmm. season. They won one game, 83 mm-hmm. to 59. <laughs> they won another game, 85 to 54. Jeez. One of those games came against a team that should be in the NCAA tournament in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the other one, came against Stonehill in the school's first game in division one. (laughs) So they're just doing it against whoever. Exactly. They're making it's their game against Iowa state. I believe was their closest game of the Mm -hmm. season. I'm sorry. It was the Alabama game ended up as the closest game of the season for them. Mm -hmm. 15 points. That was the first time they scored less than 80 points in a game all season there against Iowa state. It's just, they're doing it. And that's, let me tell you, I, we flash back to October for a second here. Mm-hmm. I went to Big East Media Day. The first thing you get, I'm riding the subway, and you get an email the morning of before you get there with the preseason awards and mm-hmm. the coaches' poll. And the most shocking thing to me on that list was it came in two parts UConn at number four, mm-hmm. and UConn as the team that did not get any first place votes while Xavier did. Ooh. Yeah, and that's I, I put together my we do our own rankings, I went to the garden. My ballot mm-hmm. for preseason rankings had UConn at third. Mm-hmm. That was assuming that Creighton was going to be a top 10 caliber team, and Villanova was going to be a top yeah. 10 caliber team, which we're going to talk about them later. Yeah, and I, I looked at this UConn team and said, This is this team has as good a shot at winning the Big East as either of these two. Yeah, the way they built out the roster, I did, I wrote an article on Tristan Newton mm-hmm. over the summer. He was a guy, he's just a he's just a scorer. He's a really mm-hmm. dependable guard. They added Joey Calcaterra, a mm-hmm. guy who can shoot three ball. Love you add Neon, a really just dependable scorer. And that's what the team needed. They wanted to play, they said they wanted to play four out mm-hmm. with Adama Snogo in the middle. And you stretch the floor. Adamo Snogo can shoot the three ball now, by the mm-hmm. way, which is unfair. <laughs> and true. yeah, it should not be allowed. If you did that in a video game, you'd be you'd be great. <laughs> um yeah, and that you put that all together. And the name we have not mentioned once in here is Andre Jackson. Because mm-hmm. he has been hurt and he's still being eased back in. Right. He's not scoring a lot yet because he hasn't played a lot yet. And he's mm-hmm. being eased back in, but he's a first team all big east caliber talent. Yeah. Guy who can be one of the best players in the conference. And he's not really even in this factored into this. Yeah. Yet. It's really remarkable not just how good these players are, but how well they come together. Well, um, let me ask you this, man. Then, Go ahead. Good. I was oh, going to no, say no, let me no, ask no, you this, water.
0: man. So, uh, Huskies, Blue Jays,
1: yeah,
0: field, right? If you have to pick who's going to win the Big East, are you taking one of those two teams? Or are you taking the field? And if you're not, if you're taking one of those two teams, let me know which one. But who is most likely to potentially uh,
1: unseat everything in the Big East and steal a bid or at least uh, steal a seed by by winning the Big East? Well, first of all, I'm taking Creighton or UConn right now mm-hmm. because there seems to be a sizable gap yeah. in how these teams are playing in the conference. That's mm-hmm. it's two top 10 teams in the AP poll yeah. and then one other vote in the AP. That's yeah. it. And that went to St. John's. That was it. Which I, I could not believe Xavier did. Yeah, not Xavier vote. didn't get a vote. That that shocked me. That's mm-hmm. they. I thought they were going to quality loss their way to yeah. a spot in the top twenty-five with how they played against Gonzaga, but mm-hmm. apparently not. That didn't see that one coming. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if anybody outside of the top two is going to challenge Xavier, is the most likely option. Uh, Saint John's is also in that conversation. Saint John's has not played anybody this mm-hmm. year, uh, but, but largely because of how bad Temple, and Syracuse have been. Those right. guys are very good. But they're undefeated. After that, though, it's a steep Mm drop-off. You can make an argument for a lot of teams. Mm -hmm. It's going to be about how they improve and bounce back throughout the season. I look at a team like Butler. Mm as a very intriguing possibility because they have talent, and there's one guy who's supposed to be in that starting lineup who's out right now, an Ali Ali, who can shoot the ball. He's a wing forward. He's the type of player... That, that offense sorely needs. When they shoot the ball well, they win games. They just haven't been able to do it against good teams, and they got played off the court against Tennessee at the battle for Atlantis. Mm-hmm. So they need significant improvement. I think to a degree you could count Seton Hall maybe into that conversation, although they just lost to Siena. Yeah. They're missing Alexis Yetna no, right now. They don't really know when he is coming back. He's the guy who can be a difference maker for them if they put it all together. They go pretty deep, mm-hmm. and they're going to get a chance this week to prove themselves. Yeah. I think Providence with Ed Cooley, you kind of always got to throw that name in there. I think the mm-hmm. team is still coming together on paper. The talent is there and then it get, kind of gets real murky. Mm-hmm. You just, I don't know if I, I mean, I just don't know if I trust anybody else in this conference to have, have the talent to compete with those top two.
0: Well, as much fun as it is a chat about the powerhouse programs in the big East, it, it feels kind of weird to be having these conversations without discussing Villanova. So We're going to do that much, much more in the second segment of today's show. We're going to talk about the disaster start to Kyle Neptune's head coaching career. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. College basketball and the NBA are back in action while college football bowl season gets underway and the NFL playoffs approach. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information from all the latest odds contests and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. The end of lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. Segment two, Andy Patton here, Locked On College Basketball Podcast, chatting with Matt St. Jean of Road to the Garden. Matt, we knew that Villanova losing Jay Wright was going to be a significant change. Hall of Fame coach, it's it's just one of those things that it's hard for programs to recover from that. We've seen it recently with Duke. We've seen it recently with North Carolina. Uh, we'll eventually see it, you know, if Jim Bayheim ever retires and some of the other old heads, Tom Izzo, even Mark Few to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think we expected this turnaround to be this rough. And clearly there are significant caveats with the start that Villanova has had. The most notable ones being the injuries to Cam Whitmore and Justin Moore. But man, 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 this has been a really, really r- rough start for Villanova. What have you kind of seen from this team so far? Uh, and, and is there any hope for any Nova fans listening of some optimism about how this season might go uh, by
1: the end of the year? Well, I think there absolutely should be optimism mm-hmm. at least on paper about where this team is because yeah. for as bad as the record looks and as yeah. poorly as the team has played mm-hmm. teams also been very competitive against yes. good teams there really is not a bad loss on that resume there's too mm-hmm. many of them right yeah. now here's the issue <laughs> but there's not a loss on there that is going to be disqualifying come mm-hmm. march you just need more wins they're going to have some opportunities coming up to get some wins but the conversation's all been about jay right here We should be talking about Colin Gillespie. They just lost the best player in the Big East last season, the guy who could take over a game at any point. Mm -hmm. That's who it looks like Villanova is missing on the floor. They got Chris Archidiakono playing real minutes. Yeah, And that's because none of these other guys have stepped up to fill that hole Mm -hmm. that Colin Gillespie left. Caleb Daniels has been more than capable. He looks like a very solid player there. They need somebody else to help. Justin Moore will be back at some point. He tore his Achilles last year, so who knows exactly how explosive he's going to be. He may be 70, 80% of the player he was last season. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's good enough for Villanova to do right. what this team will need to do to make the tournament at this point. And that means you need the other guys to step up. Yeah. Thankfully, there's a lot of talent there. Just if we're looking at the guard room where the issue has been. Mark mm-hmm. Armstrong is obviously a four star recruit there, but I think borderline five star is a very highly recruited guy. Played mm-hmm. with Ken Whitmore in the Team USA over the summer. Yep. You got Brendan Housen, who's a real sharpshooter, who is still finding his footing there. You got Angelo Brizzy, who was with the team last year, red shirted. So he's back. And between those three, if one of them can step up, all of a sudden this becomes a very different Villanova team because the rest of the team is pretty good. Eric Dixon is a good player. Brandon Slater is good. Uh, Caleb, Dix- uh, Caleb Dixon. Caleb yeah, Dixon. Um, Daniels. <laughs> Caleb Daniels there is a very, very good player. Yeah. And Jordan Longino has been good for them this year as kind of a third, fourth option there in the offense. They just need the depth. And they're, they're, I think the biggest question is why is it not there? Because they've yeah. recruited well over the last couple of seasons. Trey Patterson, Nana Joku have not been factors at all guys who have been on the team like it's the player development isn't what it should be with mm-hmm. some of those guys i think it makes you question the coaching yeah a little bit this season it makes you question talent evaluation mm-hmm. because yeah and it's also there's a lot of luck too if you're mm-hmm. recruiting guys at high school, i mean if you're depending on 18 19 20 year old men yeah. you're going to have some misses
0: <laughs> oh yeah absolutely well and for me too like like you mentioned 2 point loss to michigan state 2 point loss to iowa state if either of those games go a different direction, certainly if both those games go in a different direction, obviously we're having a very, very different conversation. But even if one, if one three-pointer falls against Michigan State or Iowa State, all of a sudden we're looking at a team that's got a different, you know, they're maybe they're three and three. They'd obviously, you know, right. there's a whole cavalcade of different things that would happen after that. They'd play different opponents, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but like they were really competitive against two very good teams. You know, they, they, the, the loss to Portland is going to look bad, especially to people who, haven't been following college basketball recently. Portland is is a is a good program that has really taken a tremendous step under Coach Shante Liggins, uh this past year. I mean, they were one in forty two in the WCC in the Terry Porter era, which is just a fact that I like to throw out there. Whatever that I can, that um, is
1: almost an impressive level of ineptitude. Yeah, it
0: was, it's like they were trying to lose. It was it yeah. was astonishing, uh, and now they're in a much better place. They have a really solid, uh, I mean, really solid coaching staff, really solid team. That's not a loss that Villanova would take in, in years past. I think that's a reasonable thing to say, but it's also not as horrific of a loss as it certainly could have looked like in, in previous years as well. Uh, the Temple loss obviously hurts too. And the Oregon loss like is kind of on the opposite spectrum where it doesn't look that bad on paper, but the fact that Oregon had, I believe six scholarship players available for that game, that's it. They played like yeah, three walk-ons in that game. That makes that game look a little bit more of a, of a challenge. And certainly depth when you're, Talking about a tournament like this, where they're playing multiple games in a really short period of time, not having the depth is really critical. And so you could kind of forgive Villanova because their depth has been challenged, but they lost to a team that had a more challenging depth issue. So to me, like you mentioned it, maybe it is a coaching thing, maybe it is a talent evaluation thing, but not getting contributions from players who they need contributions from that's the kind of stuff that, that really can kill you. And obviously, you know, I, the updates on Whitmore and more like, it depends what, when we're going to get them, what they're going to look like, how long it takes them to kind of get acclimated back to the system. But right now the, the depth on this team is, is significantly problematic and it's hard to imagine, at least for me and you kind of touched on it. It's hard to imagine things getting dramatically better unless those two players come back and are just instantly dudes, which Frankly, could happen. I mean, Cam Whitmore is one of the top-ranked freshmen in the entire country. It's disappointing that we haven't gotten a chance to see him yet. Justin Moore, I think, averaged a 14 or so per game last year. Right. Clearly a big-time contributor as well. So it's easy to kind of fall on that and maybe put some of the blame there. But uh, looking at, at how these games have gone so far, you've got to start to wonder, like, is there going to be some change with the coaching staff or some of the stuff that they're doing? Because you could also see a way that this continues to, to not go in a positive direction for the Wildcats.
1: Yeah, and this is, I, I was just checking, it. this is the worst three-point shooting team Villanova's been in the Ken Palm era, 31.4% from deep right now. It's mm-hmm. not really about the quality of looks either. They're just not hitting them, which yeah. I get. My guess is that's a rhythm thing, and guys yeah. learning to play with each other and all mm-hmm. that, because these guys are capable shooters. If you take a team that, if we assume some regression to the mean, the three-point yeah. shooting should get better, mm-hmm. and they'll probably add two starters here at some point, Right. there's a world where... This becomes a 14 15 win team in the Big East mm-hmm. and top three finisher. Mm-hmm. And we kind of look back on November and say, mm-hmm. oh, that was, they were still figuring it out. Right. It, and if they beat Temple on the road and they beat Portland, mm-hmm. we might not be talking about Villanova any differently than we're talking about Xavier right now. Right. They have a very similar resume. Mm-hmm. They just had a couple games that didn't go their way. They, they should win those, but mm-hmm. every loss has come away from home. One of them's a road loss to a rival. You got games on short rest. It's everything on the resume that's been bad so far is easy to throw out if they turn it around and start winning games. That just has to happen this Saturday. They get Oklahoma on mm-hmm. Saturday, and yeah. that is that's a must-win game. Yeah, and then it's early in the season for a must-win. But you got that one, and they play Boston College at a neutral mm-hmm. site in New York in a couple weeks. You cannot lose that game. Got to win those, and then get in the conference play and see what happens.
0: Well, the Big 12 and the Big East are battling each other out for the next couple of days. We're going to talk about all of those games, or at least six of those games that are coming up. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on college basketball. Still joined here by Matt St. Jean of Road to the Garden. Matt, six exciting games coming up on the schedule that I want to talk about in the next couple of days Big 12, Big East. Really fun matchups there. I uh, always love seeing these kind of matchups between these two power conferences like this and, and opportunities to see some some two teams where I look at the schedule, I'm like, oh, that's kind of a fun, fun matchup. But some of them I'm like, oh, that's that's maybe not as fun of a matchup. I <laughs> in uh, Texas is certainly the headliner. We're going to get to that one in a second. Uh, we're going to start, though, with what is not necessarily the headliner, and that would be the Kansas State versus Butler game. Uh, Butler, like you kind of mentioned, uh, obviously new coach there. We're kind of going to trying to figure out what this team is going to look like. Uh, what do you think about this matchup coming up? Uh, I believe it is on Thursday or Friday. I, th-
1: I thought this, this might be the Wednesday game, actually. Wednesday, yes. The yeah, early the Wednesday game. Yeah, this is the, early, the first game on Wednesday. Yep. I think this is a really interesting matchup because, well, again, like we talked about with Villanova, Butler has some tough losses this year. Yep. All of them have come away from home. Hinkle seems to have this mystifying power on at least some opponents. Yep. Kansas State is a borderline tournament team this year. Mm-hmm. Ken Palm yep. has them, I think, in the 40s or 50s right mm-hmm. now. So this is one of those games for Butler. Where if you win it, it will look good on the resume. This will be a quadrant two win at worst. If you find mm-hmm. it a way to win, and a nice little little thing to have from the non-conference, and it's winnable for them. Yep. The story of the season for them has been shooting. In every loss, they've shot 30% or worse from deep. And it's a team that did not shoot the three ball well last year. They have four different guards there who have all hit at least 20 points in a game once in their careers. you got to do it consistently. This team has talent. This team has players. It can play really good defense. It's just a matter of whether or not the offense can flow consistently. If it does, this can be the type of win that gets you off the bubble, and into the tournament field with a solid Big East performance. If you lose it, though, you really have nothing to look back on for the non-conference except a win over BYU, and this gets really tough for Butler yeah well
0: next game is georgetown and texas tech and frankly i don't know how much time we need to spend on georgetown texas tech it's obviously been a rough season for patrick ewing and company uh and the hoyas texas tech obviously a phenomenal program is there anything you're gonna be looking for specifically in this game or is this one where
1: it's just a big 12 gets one here we'll see how the Big East can do in the other ones if you're a fan of like morbid comedy this game (laughs) has massive appeal <laughs> uh There, it's the Mac mcclung Bowl kind of. He doesn't play for Texas Tech anymore, but it did transfer there. I mean, it's true. Listen, yeah, we're running out of storylines already for this one. A
0: little <laughs> better than the ones I had, so that's pretty good.
1: <laughs> if Georgetown can keep this one remotely competitive, I'm going to be surprised. I mean. I, I talked about it on my podcast last week but last Tuesday I was supposed to be leaving and traveling for the holidays and that get in, got interrupted because I then had to sit and watch the end of a Georgetown American game I had to leave later on I hit traffic because I had to follow that game when yeah. Georgetown blew a lead yeah um, so yeah it's I mean Texas Tech has a very 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 good team too if Georgetown was even as good as people thought they could be this should still be a Texas Tech win. Absolutely.
0: Well, the next one is a game that I think is a, is a pretty interesting one uh, between Providence and TCU. I'm pretty excited about this matchup here. Uh, fairly close in Ken Palm rating as of right now. Providence is 75th. Uh, TCU is 40th. They began the season ranked. Haven't, uh, haven't really played up to expectation. Obviously, Mike Miles is an absolute superstar point guard for them. I know you co- cover Providence particularly closely, Matt, so I'm curious your thoughts on this game.
1: Well, first, from the TCU side of things, what I think is interesting probably the most interesting storyline of this game is Damian Baugh supposed to be one of their starters returning from a suspension for this mm-hmm. one and TCU has two bad games one of them it was a loss on the resume mm-hmm. that loss they were without Mike Miles and Damian Baugh now that they're right. back they just beat Iowa pretty easily and they're now one spot out of the AP top 25 so you'd think with a win over Providence they'll end up moving on up Yep. for the Friars this is the only game they play outside of the Northeast in non-conference play, their <laughs> their tournament there is at Mohegan Sun. their other big game their their mm. rivalries against URI. So this is yeah. this is the only time they travel. Yeah. They traveled to Fort Worth and beat TCU on this floor two years ago. Okay. This is a better TCU team than the one that they played that year. I don't know. I mean, it's, it, we don't know if it's a better Providence team. Yeah, mm-hmm. team that has struggled to come together has struggled to shoot the ball. I think the way people expected. This is going to be an old-fashioned basketball game. Neither of these teams likes to shoot the three. Both of them are in the top 25 in offensive rebounding percentage. It's going to be about who can stay disciplined on defense, who can box out, who can prevent the extra opportunities, and who can finish those tough looks that you're going to get to.
0: Next game that's coming up is, is a particularly interesting one as well. Oklahoma State versus UConn. Obviously, we have talked at length about UConn on this podcast, as they have deserved plenty of attention from us. Oklahoma State, solid club as well, 34th in Kenpom, 5-2 and two on the year. Haven't played any exceptional opponents. Their losses are to Southern Illinois and Central Florida. They do have a win over DePaul. They have a couple other nice wins as well. I think this is going to be a fun game. It's really the first it's it's another opportunity for UConn to prove themselves against a high-quality, not necessarily elite opponent, but another high-quality opponent.
1: Yeah, and I think this should be a fun game. It's UConn's first home game in the Big East Big 12 battle here, which Mm -hmm. I think has some appeal there. Yeah, And Oklahoma State is a good enough team to beat you if you have an off night. Yeah, So that's kind of what we're going to find out here from UConn. And off a little bit of rest now, what can they do removed from that? Sometimes you get hot in a short environment and then you come home and it wears off. Yeah. So, this could be a grinded out type of game. You never know. Um, I'm intrigued to see how the Adama Nogo Donovan Klingon rotation looks in this one mm-hmm. with the, the backup center there, who's a freshman and also the highest point in the state of Connecticut at seven foot two. <laughs> He's, we're, at a, we're at a point right now where the, the front runner for player of the year could be the center for UConn, and the front runner for freshman of the year could be the backup center for UConn, which <laughs> I be, I feel like that's got to be history. Yeah. Yeah, this I, this should be an entertaining physical game. UConn should probably take by 10 plus points.
0: Next up is the big one. The big game, the top 10 matchup, Creighton versus Texas. Texas looks like perhaps the best team in the entire country, although they haven't played an exceptional schedule just yet. Creighton, of course, has been phenomenal all year long. This is going to be one of, quite frankly, one of the best non-conference games in all of college basketball. What are you looking forward to in this one?
1: Well, first, I'm kind of bummed UConn stole the hype from this because everybody's talking about the Huskies right now, and this might be the most interesting. It is the most interesting yeah. game of the week. One of the most yeah. interesting games of the entire non-conference. Yeah. After what Texas did to Gonzaga yeah. a few weeks ago, there in this building, it's mm-hmm. this is that second test of all right. You did it once. You can get hot for a night against a team. PGA. Yeah. From from the Creighton side of things, it's their fourth. Ranked game in a row. You're Mm -hmm. playing number two. Creighton's never beat a team ranked number two or higher in the AP poll. And this Creighton team came in with expectations of a Final Four and a national championship Mm -hmm. with how loaded that roster is. If you want to do that, you don't necessarily have to win a road game against the number two in the country, but you have to play with them. This game has to be competitive. I expect it will be. Creighton played some really good games in Maui last week, some very mm-hmm. fun ones. I think we're I think we're in for a treat here. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing to watch, I think, is going to be Creighton's bench. Yeah, they have not gotten a lot of scoring from the depth on this team, mm-hmm. and it hasn't mattered yet. But this is a Texas team that I think is a little bit deeper and at home, and that if if something's going to stop Creighton from being one of the best teams in the country, it's going to be that they really only go six or seven players deep. Dependably,
0: yeah and texas goes like eight eight or nine deep uh, in many of their games i mean we, christian bishop is only playing 17 minutes a game and like he you know yeah. this, is, this is a really deep really talented team uh tyrese hunter Sergei barry rice have just been absolutely fantastic as newcomers in that backcourt for this team i'm really ex- interested you know texas one of the things that We thought Texas would struggle with was really just defending Drew Timmy because they don't have a ton of size. I think their biggest rotation player is like 6'9", and it's Dylan DeSue. Uh, and obviously, Creighton has Ryan Kalkbenner, and he's been an absolute machine. But Texas did a dang good job on Drew Timmy. Mean, I'm curious how that defense translates, how Creighton kind of tries to figure out ways around that. What Ryan Nemhard can do for that team uh, to kind of engage that offense in ways that Gonzaga's offense
1: was was aim- was unable to do so. I think this is going to be a really really fun matchup. I'm be glued to it, absolutely. And you, you mentioned Christian Bishop in there. He transferred from Creighton to Texas. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, this is it's the Creighton Bishop Bowl. Yeah. The, the Battle of the Bishop, however you want to say it. <laughs> a little disappointed this one wasn't at Creighton just for that reason to get the crowd uh, the yeah. crowd into it for it. But yeah, this is one. And if Creighton wins, they're going to be uh, a top five team in the country come the following Monday. Yep. And uh, we well, mentioned before who is better, UConn or, or Creighton in mm-hmm. the Big East right yeah. now. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that question. Yeah. This game was one more step in giving us the answer to that. And yep. If Creighton wins, I'll, I, Creighton's going to be the top of our power rankings next week. Yep. I'll tell you that much. Absolutely.
0: Final game before I let you go, Matt. want to talk about Shaheen Holloway and Seton Hall and their matchup against Kansas. Obviously, Shaheen not afraid to play top-tier programs and beat them. He did it at St. Peter's, uh, the Seton Hall program. I think has better days ahead of them. We've seen that they're obviously dealing with a lot of injuries, but mostly the issue is just they're they're not scoring the basketball. Great defense. We knew that was going to come over uh, from his time at St. Peter's, but we haven't seen the offense yet. How do you expect them to do against Kansas?
1: It depends on what Kansas team shows up to a degree because Very they have been good. inconsistent this year, and in Seton Hall has been inconsistent. This team mm-hmm. has kind of been an ensemble cast. They mm-hmm. go 10 deep. Everybody plays. If I'm remembering correctly, they only have one performance where a player had more than 14 points in a game mm-hmm. this year. They don't have a 20 point score in a game. Alamir Dawes got to 19. That's it. Other than that, it's been everybody's pitching in, and yeah, I think that's been part of the problem. The way Shaheen Holloway likes to play is to mm-hmm. go deep, um, and that helps on defense, but you need to shore up the rotation a little bit. And get the guys you want on the floor out there. He called out his players after the Siena game. He was asking for a little bit more from them. So this could be one of those games where players come out with a little pep in their step and mm-hmm. a fire under them, go into a tough road environment, and if you make a couple plays early and that defense shows up against a Kansas team that has not been as good as people expected, all of a sudden this game gets interesting. You take the energy out of that arena. It's a defense travels too, go mm-hmm. on the road there, and... If you have if you have a veteran, a lengthy team that mm-hmm. can play good defense, that's a team that can beat anybody in the country on a good night and can cause anybody to have a bad night. Remains to be seen if that's going to happen, but mm-hmm. I think this game has some in- very interesting characteristics about it.
0: Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show today to talk about basically every team in the Big East. We didn't get a lot of DePaul talk, but hey, you know, maybe next time we'll get a chance oh, to chat only, about them. Yeah. Only will end up
1: catching from Creighton in the uh, game notes.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, that is going to do it for us today. Check out the show wherever you get podcasts. Go subscribe on YouTube if you haven't done so yet. More coming later this week. For now, peace out.